Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And this week, we're taking a deeper dive into Genesis 2, 4 through 25. Uh, We started this week the narrative lectionary, the new cycle for this program year. It's going to take us through May through Pentecost. And Pentecost is really early this year because Easter is really early this year. March 30th. March 30th, which, oh my. Yeah, it's still going to be snowy. Yes, it is. And Jesus <laughs> rose from the dead and went, Brr! Um, But we talked about uh, Genesis. Uh, Genesis 2, sometimes called the second creation story. It's kind of a mis- misnomer. It's a different focus. It really puts humanity into the, the crosshairs and shows us the, the origins of humanity and not just of the, the world in general. Um, but really tried to tease out some ideas in there about living and how we were created for relationships, uh, Pastor Dina. So I, what was it that you heard that really stuck out to you? What was it that, that you heard that maybe need a little bit of an explanation or, or things that, uh, that, you were, uh, that you thought needed teased out a bit more? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think you said it beautifully and completely, but it kind of broke my heart in a way when you described the relationship between Adam and Eve and there was no shame and there was completeness and there was complete emotional and mental and physical and spiritual intimacy. And to to think how far we have fallen from that, not only in the marriage relationships that we see all around us, but even in our relationships with one another, because I think these same sorts of things are at the root of of how God created us to be in relationship with each other, how the the body of Christ, even though Christ wouldn't come for quite some time, but how we were meant to relate to each other with that purity of heart and with that openness that is so rare, even I think in, in our best friendships Mm. and best relationships. And yet, and yet you followed it with, up with the idea that brokenness makes us shrink back from connectedness and intimacy and yeah. oh boy do we live in a broken world where connected to connectedness and intimacy are so rare yeah yeah that's i mean as i think about that and as i think about the way that that adam and eve must have interacted i mean even within the best of marriage relationship there sometimes there's a fear of Ooh, what will the other person think if mm-hmm. I say X? Like, cause I've had this thought and I should be able to share it. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of an innocuous thing. That isn't like, Oh, I went out and murdered someone. I wonder <laughs> right. what they'll think. Yeah. You know, this could be like, I have this thought about the way we could raise our kids, or I have this thought about the, our future or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it can, it's, it's laden with fear. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, really, even our own personal fears and and worries and concerns, sometimes it's hard to express that even in our, our deepest relationships. Like, well, you know, what will they think if they know I worry about this? What will they think if they know I'm afraid of this? Or that, you know, those deep, tender, soft parts of us, we still wall off even from our best connections. I think in it, a- in a sense, then we see this and say, "Okay, this was in our history. What does it, 
what does it have to do with our our present then? Mm-hmm. Because we do live in a broken world. Yeah. Where there is pain, there is fallenness, there's backstabbing, there's there's lack of trust lack of trust there's front stabbing as well as backstabbing um and so you know what is it that that we then do with this knowledge of the way things are and how does it help us to live a a life of discipleship in the here and now yeah i i i mean i think like so many things the first step is acknowledging it is acknowledging that we were made for this kind of relationship that Adam and Eve have and yet we don't have it because of sin because of of brokenness which means that that we have to work really hard to overcome that not in a earn your salvation kind of way but you know in a way that that I mean kind of like inertia you have to work hard to get things moving in the mm. right direction or momentum or or something like that i think we have to acknowledge that it takes a lot of work to develop these kinds of relationships and this kind of intimacy. And, and I think when we, you know, I, I think of the, the many marriage relationships that I've, I've not experienced personally, but <laughs> witnessed over the years and, and the people that are willing to admit that it's not always easy and it's not always perfect. And it does take a lot of work and, effort and flexibility and forgiveness tend to to fare better than those who who don't um just with that idea of of we were created for this and yet our very reality is a barrier to this and so we have to to work really hard to to set aside those barriers Mm -hmm. so it it names the current reality a bit better and it and it also then sets a goal for what we're trying to get back to as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the same is true of the church too. It's not just the marital relationship, but when we acknowledge, yeah, it takes a lot of work to be the body of Christ Hmm. and it takes a lot of, of forgiveness and grace towards one another. And perhaps some assuming the best in people instead of assuming the worst. Hmm. And, and those those take a lot of effort because it's as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago we're much more gracious a lot of times we're much more gracious with ourselves and we we can make excuses for ourselves mm, yes where where we attribute the same sorts of behaviors to character flaws in other people yeah and so we consciously have to know that and and be i mean it's kind of like i don't know if you've ever seen it's old now uh, it was a YouTube video when YouTube really kind of first started popularly. Well, I, I've been quoting like Technicolor and yeah, you know, yeah. things so, like that. So, but it it was it was this little no, I guess it was a, a grown grown man, and someone gave him like kindness glasses or some sort of glasses that helped him to see what everyone was dealing with, and uh-huh. he was much more compassionate towards other people when when he saw you know going through a divorce or dealing with an aging aging parent or just lost my job, you know, but being willing to put those kinds of that kind of vision on to imagine what else people might be dealing with and assuming the best instead of just assuming that they're, they're lazy or they don't care or that they don't 
they don't value your opinion. Those, those sorts of things. Yeah. And I appreciate that you brought out the fact that this isn't earning our salvation and it, Mm -hmm. and it really highlights the fact that the, the church has a, a dual mission, um, that, that runs concurrently that yes, we try to evangelize, which is evangelism is just, you know, uh, pre-Christian discipleship, um, but that we also then strive for holiness afterwards. We, you know, there's justification and sanctification in, in theological parlance. And so often it seems like uh, the evangelical tradition can really sit itself in the justification side and forgets all about, maybe not all about, but can forget largely about the holiness side, can forget about the sanctification side, mm-hmm. that there is yet work to be done. And and so this idea that we're created to live in peace isn't just something that magically happens, but it's actually a, you know, as Paul talks about it, that, you know, work out your salvation as, as mm-hmm. God continues to work in you. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow you, you had brought out you had brought out the idea of abundance too. And I think when we fall into one side or the other, when we forget the fullness of God's plan for us and God's hopes for us, I think that is also evidence that we can't fully see the abundance of all God is doing in our lives and the lives of those around us. We mentioned last week about kind of boiling salvation down to basically insurance against hell mm. and you know okay fine my eternal destiny is secure great done um check and and we miss the abundance of what god wants to do in us and through us even before we get to that eternal salvation which is great and wonderful and a hope and a promise and kind of the only thing that gets you through some days but there's so much more to to God's creation of us in in this divine image, in this image of the one who created. So, so yeah, that idea of ab- abundance, I, I think as Christians, we're not good at it. And, and I think <laughs> it applies to so many, so many areas. Can't imagine where you got that <laughs> idea that we're not good at it. Um, you know, before we begin re- recording, I made the comment, like, I, I dare anyone except for maybe like 10 people in the whole world to sit down with their financial planner or their, you know, their insurance agent and walk away feeling like, yeah, I'm going to be fine. There's always this sense of, will I have enough to pay for college? Will I have enough to pay for retirement and live the way I want to with the abundance that I want yeah. to have will i have enough if something catastrophic happens and i lose my job or i need long-term care and, and there's always at the at the root of so many things we do will there be enough will i be good enough will i get good enough yeah. grades will i get a job that pays enough but that enough word is is everywhere dragging us down and and we never really dis- define what is enough then right um and so that's a that's a that's problematic because then we're shooting it and we're trying to nail jello to a wall. Yeah. We're, we're trying to grasp it at, at air and, and that just leads to almost a treadmill kind of effect where, um, where we're just constantly striving after, um, whatever we think is going to be that enough. And yet 
that thing always then just lets us down. We think, oh, I, I need more. I need more. I need more. Yeah. Uh, I remember the the first Sunday you were here, you weren't, you hadn't started yet, but you were worshiping with us and we had had, I had been away. So we had had a guest preacher and he made the comment that no matter who you ask and no matter what the balance in their bank account is, when you say what's enough, it's always like two times. 50% more or two times, was yeah. it two times more? I yeah. couldn't remember the exact number, but whatever you have, it never seems like enough. And, and we saw that worked out practically during COVID as people were like, oh, I better get 700 rolls of toilet paper because <laughs> I might not have enough. But I mean, and even this past winter, and I found myself getting caught up in it too. I have three kids, so we can go through a bottle of children's Tylenol pretty quick if everyone's yeah. sick. Like, yeah. oh, you know, I better get six bottles to sit on my shelf <laughs> just in case because it could go real fast. Well, we were and, talking about the OxyClean yeah, in the yes. office. Yeah. If you can't find OxyClean at the store... Um, it's my fault. A, you need to see Pastor Dina. <laughs> I love the gel, the the OxyClean gel, I hear and you, you can't I find hear it. So when Although I find the, it, I buy a lot. The Felsnap, though, worked really well. Okay. So uh, so come to us for, for getting rid of your sin, also getting rid of your stains. Yeah. We're your authority <laughs> on all of it. Whether they're your moral or your physical stains, <laughs> yeah. we can help you with that. No, that's, uh, I mean. I will share if you need it. <laughs> But the, I mean, really, that that really was the root of it. Where mm-hmm. I mean, even now, if I go into Costco, I think eggs are still like no more than two of these. Yeah, and it's amazing because I'm like, we are how many years past the not years, but we're past the pandemic by yeah. a good amount, and yet still there's. But in a certain sense, I mean, I think we got acculturated as Americans to having. Yeah. Quite a bit. And yet somehow the church still struggles. Uh, I mean, the um, the churches that I've helped in my regional committee days, all of them, they could very well define what they didn't have. Mm-hmm. They had they struggled to define what they had, but they didn't they didn't struggle to define what they didn't have. Well, we don't have the number of people that we used to. We don't mm-hmm. have people volunteering like they used to. We don't have young people. We don't have families. We don't have children. We don't have the budget we used to. We don't have uh, the pastors that we used to. We don't have the elders that we used to. We don't have anyone who will help the way they used to. Yeah. It's a huge one. I know I had the privilege of speaking at a Presbyterian women's gathering over the weekend. And, and it was all these things. It was the same as the church. It was the same in the PW gathering. You even hear it. I even hear it in, in the schools and in the after school program, you know, unless parents step up, we're not going to have enough help unless, unless you give this amount of money, we're not going to be able to carry this program on. And it's this, this idea of lack and and all, paired with this idea that we have to keep things going exactly as they were and exactly as mm. it has worked in the past because if if you know even in the church things would shift differently if if we let things go a bit more and said well if we don't have enough for this then maybe God's not calling us to do that and and not just monetarily but but I think especially with with help and resources. If we don't have enough, then maybe is, this isn't where God is leading us right now and we could better use what we do have somewhere else. That's a very interesting thought that you you just brought out. 
it sounds like what you said, and you can correct me if you're if I'm wrong here, mm-hmm. that we have used the success or the failure as a or the the lack as well. We're not trying hard enough, rather than a a discernment of God's will. Mm-hmm. And so we're pinning our success or failure onto ourselves. Like I have to make this work, mm-hmm. otherwise, shame on me. Rather than it being God kind of knocking at the door, going. Hey, I'm done with that. Can we move over here? I remember it's been about two years ago now. I had the privilege of hearing Susan Beaumont speak. And the title of her book is something along the lines of how to lead when you don't know where you're going. Mm, Yeah. Which is accurate. Um, (laughs) And she laid out a couple different scenarios, but the one that sticks in my mind, and I think it's because the one that I'm guilty of most often is when things are struggling there is a tendency among certain people or a certain type of people to say, well, I'll just work harder at it. I'll double my efforts. I'll work extra. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I have said before, man, if only I didn't have to sleep, imagine how much more work I'd get done. Uh, uh, imagine how much better I would be able to do this or that thing. Yeah. And, and that, that idea of, of just working harder and working harder because we have to keep it going instead of being, self-reflective enough and i mean that individually and as organizations to say what are we doing and where are we spending our resources and why and do we have to keep doing it this way or if there's not the resources to pull it off is god leading in a different direction i know at least in our church too i like oh man it would be great if we could do this but we don't have enough help well if we if there's things that we can say hey let's step away from that to do this you maybe that's more faithful than than trying to keep everything going and add to it as well pete scazzaro who worked on emotionally healthy discipleship and emotionally healthy um churches often has up on he posts on facebook and instagram and oftentimes you can see his quote that that when we when we fail to recognize our limits, we fail to allow God to to work basically. Mm-hmm. That it's in our limits that God is able to work and to do and to provide in ways that we cannot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's that idea. So to connect back to Genesis, lots and lots of ink has been spilled on the two trees the Mm. the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the connection here is that one of the writers that i i i read had a very interesting thought whereas you know it wasn't the the content of the fruit itself it was what it pointed to um and so the tree of life is this idea of a a reliance on god a discipled by god a formed by god sort of life and whereas the the tree of the knowledge and good and evil pointed towards a, a self-defined, self-discipled, self-formed life. Mm-hmm. And, and and so it wasn't the fruit itself. It was the path that you were choosing. And when we choose to, it, it's almost like in those moments when we decry the scarcity, we are trying to embark on that path. We're still trying to embark of that, on that path mm-hmm. of self-formation, self-discipleship self self work self uh self made yeah i think that's one gift involvement in the mission conference has given me is i feel like i have been 
exposed to more than the average person is exposed to two people who so graciously trust God with so much with the, with their provision with mm. their call with their travel arrangements and you know I say that knowing I am not privy to their internal angst and their internal monologue you know I get to hear what they present to a mission conference sure so that of course is the best side but it's been such an example of me because as someone who tends to worry and tends to like like I said tends to feel like oh man if I only worked harder Mm. then it would be okay you know it's humbling to hear these people that that trust God that trust that it will all work out not in a Pollyanna kind of way but that that even if there's pain along the way we're following God's call and that's enough that's that's all we need to do and and trusting that that these other things will come will fall into place or that God will lead in a different direction mm. not that that's without pain and and grief and sadness i talked with the the presbyterian women a bit about that this weekend that that even even in the midst of hearing from jeremiah that there was a hope and a future that god was going to provide for the people of israel two chapters later we still have some pretty strong lament because the things that they currently loved and enjoyed were passing away they were being sent into to exile that um that things weren't as they wanted them yet and so we we hold both of these things at the same time and it's hard work but again that's reflective of the abundance of god god is big enough to provide god is big enough to hold our grief and our hope at the same time Mm. and we're and i include myself in this too we're not good at remembering that yeah now, are are any of those people that you can that are kind of in your mind? Are they people that that we can find online, or, um, or are these people who are who are quietly working for the kingdom and need to quietly work for the kingdom for for security reasons? Um, yes, <laughs> I will. I will look and see. We can include uh, it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple. There's a couple examples that I need to see if they have a an online presence, and then we can put those in the show notes. Okay, as they pop up, we'll we'll try to include that in the notes, and then and because uh, it's always good when you know we can talk about that, but it's so good when we can see some of people's stories mm-hmm. about how they have trusted, how they have trusted um, God in 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 what are circumstances usually that I find they're usually in circumstances that we could never even fathom. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, in, in some ways I think about, um, uh, so in, so we don't typically have, you know, extraordinary movements of the spirit in the Presbyterian church. (laughs) We're pretty, um, cut and dried. And so, you know, I think about, um, in my previous congregation, we had some people who found our congregation because they saw us in a vision. Oh, wow. Like, and, and so this was. Yeah, like, and my Presbyterian heart is going, what do you do with that? I don't even know. <laughs> uh, and that's the thing. Like, that's a, you know, God is able to to do those things and able to provide for people in such a way that it's it's such a joy and such a blessing to to others. And it reminds us of the abundance of God. It reminds us that that he does still work. Um, and, and the people who trust in him for those things are just, you know, 
to me, they are great inspirations. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, as we talk about abundance and scarcity, in a way, it's almost the examples that you see are um, they're almost easier to see, as you said, when things are so terrible, when mm. when there's not even an illusion that we could ever have enough. That's when we see turning to God so clear and we see God's provision so clearly. I think it's in the, it's when we think that maybe we have a shot of providing it on our own hmm. Yeah. that, that we get all worked up and, and fall into this scarcity mindset. And I loved how you said, you know, when we, when we fall into the scarcity mindset, we are no different than the world around us. Well, and, and I mean, that's, I think that's the outworking of, I think that's the outworking of this passage in that, like, we were created to be in abundance. We are created to be in relationship with God and with one another and to not have the brokenness, the sin that, that, that causes the shame and the, the disconnectedness. And so as the church is, is the body of Christ in this day and age, you know, we are meant to shine forth because Christ didn't, you know, come to, to redeem and put us to, you know, just give us punch cards Mm -hmm. for our way out so that we had a different destination, but he really wanted to show forth a new way of being, which is the original way of being. Yeah. And so redemption is the removal of all of these, these burdens and hurts and hangups and sins and that we are meant to have this open relationship and not an open relationship as in, <laughs> man, don't go back and listen to my sermon from a couple weeks yeah. ago. I, I got to watch the, um, but we are to have, we are to have frictionless mm-hmm. relationship with, with one another where it's not marred by the sin and the fear and yeah. the, the hurt of this world. And so, I think another way to put that would be intimate relationships, which the, yes. you know the word intimate and intimacy is also quite loaded, but intimacy in its truest, purest, purest form. Yes, and so that's why, like I, I said that, like, so what, what difference does Christ make if we say yes, I believe in Jesus, but my relationships look just as bad as everyone else's? Yeah, like then, then what good is Jesus? And, and again, to bring up the, the dreaded reports, like that's what leads to people saying, eh, no, thank you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so that's what, I mean, I know, I know that when I said that, that was a, I remember writing that and thinking, whew, that, that's, that's kind of a, that's a bold statement. Um, but I, I stand by it because we we are meant to have deep transformation in Christ. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that happens, it's like a slow cooker. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens over a long period of time. Um, sometimes it's dramatic. And th- those stories can hijack faith experiences. Yes. Because uh, we go, oh, well, I, you know, I wasn't delivered from cocaine. I, yeah. you know, um, you know. I'm or just, even I didn't have some mystical, powerful experience of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That, you know, that it was a slow realization of who I was called to be in Christ. Yeah. And, and so it's more like signposts along the way mm-hmm. on, on a long journey rather than, you know, a, 
a, a fireworks display mm-hmm. <laughs> all at once. Both of which are are good valid. and valid and important, but just different for yeah. each person. The same way we fall in love and form other relationships. For some people, it's a love at first sight. And for some people, it's, oh my gosh, we were friends for seven years before yeah. we realized, hey, maybe maybe we love each other. I don't know. Yeah, and but that's the thing. We were, you know, part of Christ's forgiveness, part of the gospel is that we are to be deeply transformed mm-hmm. because we are more, it shows us that we are, are more fallen and sinful than we ever thought, yeah. but also more loved and accepted in, in Christ than we ever dared hope. Yeah. And so we are able to experience transformation. And, and James gets into this in his letter where he, he basically says, you believe there's, it, actually, he doesn't basically say, he says exactly, you believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that. And you know what? They shudder when, yeah. they, when they realize that. Yeah. And if we don't even shudder at the thought of yeah. God, then we have no reverence of him whatsoever. Yeah. And your sermon, too, drew out that that paradox of the closeness of God and the holiness of God. And again, trying to hold in in our finite human broken minds, trying to hold that idea that God is intimate enough with us to breathe life into us Mm. and also so holy and so apart from us that, that no one could even look upon the presence of God and live in the old Testament. Yeah. Then, you know, it, it it's a lot for one brain to to reckon with, and and yet it's a picture of the complexity and the beauty with with which we were created and and what we were originally created for. Because Adam and Eve, prior to the whole tree debacle, didn't <laughs> didn't that kerfuffle. Yeah, didn't struggle with that. They they had that intimacy with God who had very literally created them from dirt. Yeah. And well, one of them, one of them. Yeah. And the other one from the other one, but still like they didn't have a problem holding that tension. Yeah. And in the same way that we do in this broken world. And yet we catch glimpses of it. I mean, I th- and I think it's on here that we've talked, you know, those moments that take your breath away when you see the beauty of creation, when you hear an answered prayer, when you catch a, a sense of the Holy Spirit in worship that, that you can't def- define, that you can't describe, and to describe it makes it sound flat. Yeah. Um, and yet, and that, that, so that holiness and also that, that moment when you, are sure God is near when you are sure God is answered your prayers when when you feel the comfort of God and I mean and truly it is my prayer that that everyone has experienced those to some degree yeah. throughout their life of faith whether it's in the local church or you know in a moment of personal prayer whether it's in in a camp or conference ministry a retreat whatever that that you have felt the presence of God and the holiness of God in your life. It, it, it's, it'll be interesting to see how some of that um, plays out generationally. 
And I don't mm-hmm. mean that in a bad way, because definitely one of the things that the the um, boomer and Generation X really brings to the table is the sense of duty and mm-hmm. worth work ethic. Um, one of the things that that millennials and um, Gen Z bring to the table is an appreciation of the holistic nature mm-hmm. of of the person and of any person. And so as you talk about that, I think about the fact that that typically in a, in a mainline church, there can be a resistance to the experience of God because it's a bit more slippery than reading the scripture. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I come in, I worship, I go home, I, maybe I pray at night, mm-hmm. um, maybe I re- read a couple, a, a devotional, I mean, or yeah. read Upper Room or, or something like that. Um, but to experience God is a, I think for, for X and the boomer generation is a, is a, is a slipperier prospect than maybe for the younger generations. And that creates an interesting ministry kind of conundrum then. Yeah. And, and I hear it myself when you said people saw your church in a vision and they came and my response was, what do you even do with that? I don't know how that's weird. And that put it right in my face. That was, you know, that it's not like I was like, of course I was like, wait, I'm sorry. Could you say that again? I'm yeah. (laughs) There is something that certainly have misheard. Say it again. Exactly. Until the, I had the one who saw our building in a vision and the other one who saw our address in a vision. Yeah. Wow. you know, and I can think of I think can think of a time when I was leading a, a youth mission trip and, and these were kids that I had gotten to know over three years because it was the place where I'd worked when I was in seminary. So I went on three mission trips with them in that time and then I hadn't taken a call yet that fourth summer. So they needed leadership and I was willing to go. And the one evening we were we were doing our devotions. We were wrapping up, you know, talking about where we saw God. And and there was a really powerful outpouring of the Spirit. And one of the the teens started talking. And there was, it seemed like there was some prophesying. There was a little bit of tongues. And it was, it was way outside of <laughs> anything that, that fit that congregation or <laughs> how we, did your we, seminary training train you for that? Well, that's what at the the <laughs> end, you know, the, the pastor who had been there, who I'd worked with, you know, at that point for several years, he's like, oh, seminary didn't prepare me for that. And we were like, what do we do with that? I don't know. That was the first time that ever happened. <laughs> you know, ah, how, do you, how do you follow up with that? We don't know. Okay. We'll figure it out. But oh my gosh, <laughs> it was, it's one of the times I can remember the, the spirit, powerfully in a way that other people would affirm. I mean, plenty of experiences of feeling the the presence of God and experiencing God have been more personal, especially as I think about my call to ministry and all that. But like, that was a, a time where you're like, wait, did, did you hear that? Cause I heard that and holy cow, what just happened? Um, but it's still such a precious memory. And yeah. you know, unfortunately, a couple of years later, that young man died but oh. to to have that to have that reference point for his faith, I'm not sure. I, you know, I lost had lost touch with them after I started at a different church and all that. Um, and so as as he moved into young adulthood, I'm not sure where his faith 
was at the time when he died, but but to have that reference point yeah. that, that God was active in his life is assuring and comforting and um and strange and still like still to this day leads me with lots of questions going what was that (laughs) i don't know if i liked it but i loved it but i'm not sure if i liked it (laughs) because it's weird and different and and not at all what what i would i had expected for that and it's those those extraordinary moments that remind us that god is you know, in the Ephesians pas- passage, you know, to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it really, I, I was trying not to belabor the point too much, but it really, God is a God of abundance. And mm-hmm. we think in such finite terms that then we we import that, that thinking uncritically into our church thinking. Yeah. And... Yeah, because so often we define abundance financially or with personnel you know abundance we had so much help we didn't know what to do with all the people or we don't have to worry about bills at all because we have that abundance and we miss the true abundance that god provides that might not be tied at all to those things yeah and it's and 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 certainly certainly in times of pain that is really hard to see Mm -hmm. yeah because all you can see is your pain yeah and that that's it's hard to get past that mindset it really is yeah yeah and you you had asked if anybody came to mind who had an online presence that that explained living in in relationship with god and the the very first thing that came to mind was the story of missionaries who had been attacked and shot their daughter had been killed mm. and when they presented the story of forgiveness was mind blowing the and it tied in with their dependence on god to provide that so if i can if i can find it we will definitely put that one okay yeah in that'd the be notes fantastic because I, I mean i'm a pastor i've heard lots of sermons in my day i've preached lots of sermons um but that one sticks out so clearly and, and also with some of the the things going on in my life, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, this woman is willing to forgive and her daughter was literally killed and I can't even get over this. You know, what does yeah. that say about about my spiritual situation? And yet, like I said, sometimes I think it's easier when when everything is stripped away and we have no illusion of being able to do anything apart from what God can do in our lives. And what a what a sweet, sweet mercy it is that God will actually take us when literally we have no other option. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if someone came to me and was like, listen, I don't have any other option. I'm not even sure that you can do anything, but yeah, I'd be like, okay, you're just here for, yeah. but God takes us in that state and is willing to pick us up and, and dust us off and set us onto the the you know, I joke about it sometimes, the paths of righteousness, but really mm-hmm. the paths of righteousness and redemption and yeah. and hope. Um, you know, my, as I preach, what I really hope comes through is that that I think people can find Jesus and really be transformed in their lives. Mm-hmm. That they can, they can find hope and healing and they can find a, 
a new set of values and a new set of wonder for the world. Mm-hmm. And, and that's I, like, so in preaching Genesis two, I felt like I was in a sense, as I was preparing, I was in the place where I'm dreaming of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I would think, uh, you know, I think as I preach, you know, similarly, I want, I want the grace and love of God to come across. I want it to be clear that you don't have to do it yourself. And not only do you not have to, you can't do it yourself. And so to find, you know, my prayer is that people, others would find themselves in that place of, of trust, in that place of intimacy, in that place of the nearness of God. Because sometimes I think, I think we have done a better job of highlighting God's holiness and separateness than the nearness and intimacy. You know, we've made God into this cosmic judge instead of a friend. Um, and so to, to introduce people to that, that intimacy, that is so clearly pictured here before it all went wrong, before life spun out of control and, and brokenness and sin was introduced. Um, I think one of the, as you were talking earlier about the, the fact that, that God is, is portrayed as so close in this mm-hmm. passage that so intimate to us that he's he's at our nostrils yeah breathing in the breath of life which also ew but whatever <laughs> <laughs> you know one of the things that I, I i in some ways i wish i'd grown up outside of the church mm. because some of these passages can become so familiar and so like oh yes and then he breathed the breath of life into our yeah. nostrils that it took me reading about this in this commentary to go, wow, that's actually. Yeah. And then to connect that with, with the spirit and the breath and yeah. Uh, yeah. That it is easy to, especially I think in this passage that is so familiar and so cited, but not in its full context. I think it's easy to, to miss the wonder of what God did and yeah. continues to do. There's a lot of awe. Yeah. There's a lot of awe in this passage. And, and that's that's part of what I took from it. I mean, there's so much. I mean, we could do a whole, it would be highly technical and it would be not fun except for <laughs> like Hebrew nerds. But there is so much beneath this text, uh, including the, the term for living being, which is, um, I had the question in Sunday school, well, when did he get a soul? And I said, mm-hmm. well, funny you should ask that. Because the term here for living being actually means soul as well. Mm. They're not two separate terms. They're one term in Hebrew. Um, and so like, you know, that's going on where, where, you know, God creates and creates this integrated being. We are not a dichotomy that gets separated out. Um, you know, there's things going on with um, the shrubs and the the crops mm-hmm. and those are kind of technical terms for cultivated things. There were still wild things uh, going on there. Um, the possibility of cultures because of the existence of of living beings and living cultures outside of the Garden of Eden. Um, and th- this is, I mean, I was not reading from, you know, far out there commentaries. These were you know, mm-hmm. reputable, hard-researched evangelical scholarship and uh, I was like, wait, yeah. <laughs> why, 
when did why did I not hear about this you know but at the same time um, you know Genesis has not been my has not been a place that I have sat and read a bunch of commentaries I'm much mm-hmm. more uh, versed in Mark and Matthew and Ephesians mm-hmm. um, and just not so much in Genesis yeah so it has been a this was a wonderful foray into that and yeah. opened it up in a beautiful way yeah well I think you know I hope I hope hearing both the sermon on Sunday and our discussion opened it up for our listeners in a beautiful way too and I know you know I asked the kids I kind of challenged the kids each week t- with a with a question but my, I might challenge our readers this week to, to think about where you act as though there's scarcity and where you act as though there's abundance and where might, where God might be speaking in to that in your life and, mm. and helping to find that radical dependence on, on who God is and who we've been created to be in God's image as, as being full beings, fully intimate with, with God and with one another. That's a, that's a good question to, to really consider and think about yeah. and to go back through this passage and read and reread and mm-hmm. reread um, and just be amazed by all that God had created in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. All right. That's a good word. And this is our first podcast of season two. Yay. Um, and so we're, we're happy to keep going. Uh, again, we're, we just enjoy being able to talk about the scriptures. Imagine that pastors enjoy talking about the scriptures. Um, and we wanted to clue you in on the conversation because it's, you know, there are lots of hopes and dreams for the church, um, and, and desires to see it become more Mm Christ-like. So if you found this episode helpful, if you found this podcast helpful, would you please leave a rating and review uh, and share it so that others can discover it more easily? That's how uh, people can can connect with us. Also, click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast uh, because uh, we never know if we're going to drop a podcast earlier or late um, when it's going to happen within the week. And so that way you get notified whenever a new one comes out. We really appreciate it. We want uh, people to, to connect with Jesus and to, to know that transforming love that he has. But until next time, I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And we hope that this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday.